Coming up on Tech News Today, is the World Health Organization saying cell phones cause cancer? We'll look at what they actually did say. iCloud coming from Apple next week. That's official, not even a rumor. And Intel recycles its Ultrabook announcement. All that and more coming up. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. is Tech News Today for Tuesday, May 31st, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at freshbooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Aya Zakhar. And I'm Jason Howell. Joining us today is Mr. Nilay Patel from ThisIsMyNext.com. Reckless! Woo! Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Sarah's not just evaluating his character. That's his Twitter name. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I was happy with it. In fact, I was... I was meaning to tweet something like, we're feeling reckless on TNT right now. Come join us. But I didn't. But that would sound wrong. Also, he's not actually here. <laughs> yeah. So we couldn't right. literally be... We're not... Yeah. Yeah. That's that. a different show. Hey, thanks for uh, filling in Friday. Uh, my nephew uh, graduated successfully from high school. <laughs> thanks to you. Uh, we're happy to have helped. Is him along that was on a close journey. one, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Almost didn't happen. Uh, Julie Castle, one of his teachers at uh, Bond County Community Unit 2 High School. Yes. Listens to the show. Wonderful. Yeah, came hello, and said hello hi. Ms. Castle. Oh. And thanks for your support. Thanks for saying and for, hi. And for graduating Tom's nephew. <laughs> yes. It was all it was all down to her. <laughs> Actually, I think my nephew's the one that told her to listen. She's like she's told him he just listen commanded to, her. Yeah. She, you will listen. She told him he listened to she listened to podcasts and he's like, Do you listen to my uncle's podcast? You should really listen to my uncle's podcast. So. Well, and she does. Thank you, so, Ben. Very good. All right, on to cell phones causing cancer. The World Health Organization uh, has uh, put cell phones in a category called possibly carcinogenic. Uh, it's actually the International Agency for Research on Cancer. Uh, they are a working group in Lyon, France, a subunit of the World Health Organization. Uh, it is their job to categorize potentially carcinogenic materials in one of five groups. Uh, group one is carcinogenic. They cause cancer. Group 2A is probably carcinogenic. Group 2B, possibly carcinogenic. Group three is unclassifiable as to carcinogenicity. And group four is probably not carcinogenic. Cell phone radiation has been put in group 2B, meaning it is possibly carcinogenic, after 31 scientists from 14 countries reviewed the literature, which means they didn't conduct any original research. They looked at all the studies that have been done mm -hmm. and said, okay, based on the current research, uh, we say that it is possible uh, that cell phones cause radiation. The information we have is inadequate to determine it for certain. Uh, and it is actually uh, only two types of cancer that we are even concerned with, glioma and acoustic neuroma cancers. For those two cancers, a positive association has been observed between exposure to the agent and cancer. But chance, bias, or co confounding uh, circumstances could not be ruled out with reasonable confidence, which is why they didn't make it probably cause. They said, look, this is the this is the precautionary principle we were talking about last week. There might be a link. 
we can't say for certain, so we're going to put it in this classification so that people know you might want to be careful. You might want to, you know, limit I mean, your use. Isn't, isn't coffee under this possible classification as well? I mean, along with a lot of other things where it's like if there were maybe 30 more years of research, they might have more conclusive evidence. Right. Otherwise, it's it's it's... There is nothing conclusive about this because we just don't so, But I think the thing the about decades. coffee is that you can just stop drinking coffee, right? But right. you can't actually stop being radiated with cell phone signals nonstop well, every and day. They, you know, well, you can. You can stop using a cell phone because these are the near radiation. This is not the broadcast radiation. But, can, but I'm saying, but can about. you stop using a cell phone? I mean... <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> what you know, it's like you, you can't... You can yeah. be like, well, I choose to not participate in society because I'm afraid right. of cancer. You know... It's like I guess I guess that my my I would say you can choose to use a wireless headset or or a wired headset that keeps the phone uh, far enough away that you're not at exposure to even this possible risk. Uh, that if you're that really worried about it, that that's although what you, you know do. a wireless headset is still Bluetooth. I mean, you're still pumping 2.4 gigahertz radiation. Yeah, but your there's head, no so. studies on 2.4 gigahertz. So <laughs> there's, we're good. there's not enough studies to move it into a possible risk category. Yeah. you know, it, I think if the end result of this, you know, we were talking in pre-show, we've all been tracking the story since like 2003, right? And it's kind of like the World Health Organization just did the the lit review of all of the stories we've been hearing from all of the scientists, and they said, okay. We definitely need to know the answer to this. We're putting it in this classification. And if all that happens is it kicks off some more substantive research and there actually is an answer, then we're probably better off. But these headlines, like this, that CNN headline you had up, World Health Organization says cell phones are a possible carcinogen. Or like, I mean, that is definitely sensational. And well, like, it's, it's technically accurate, but it doesn't tell the story. It makes it right. sound like the World Health Organization just came out and said... You know, these cell phones are possibly carcinogenic, so we need to stop using them. And that's not what they're saying at all. All they're saying is we finally got around to looking at the literature and putting a classification on this based on the research that's been done. There's been lots of good research done, but we haven't had enough data to make a definitive conclusion. This is just science at work here. And, and the problem is you've got an agency who's doing a very responsible and normal thing saying it's our job to classify this stuff and this seems to be the most appropriate classification. But the news organizations and people combining to misinterpret it could cause a lot of panic and, and misunderstanding. I also feel like just even calling it uh, using cell phones already feels dated because, I mean, I hold my phone when I'm using the Internet or, you know, whatever's on my data plan, variety of apps. I very rarely use my phone. When I do, it's probably in my purse, and I've, I've got my headphones just because I don't like to hold my phone up to my face. Not really because of cancer, just because it's not very comfortable. But I mean, is it worse to be using my data, holding it in my hand, which it has to be attached to, rather than talking on my phone with the phone a foot away from me? It's, it's like, I mean, how much are people really talking? It's not really, I don't think that that's actually as much of a, an issue as people using their phones yeah. for data. And of the studies that have been done, the only ones that indicated there might be a risk uh, were among heavy users mm -hmm. holding the phone next to their head, uh, and they were self-reporting. And the, and the problem is, y your self self-reporting is is unreliable. So there may be other factors at work here, or there may not. And that's the key here. Saying there may be other factors at work doesn't mean it doesn't cause cancer, and saying there may not doesn't mean it does con cancer cause cancer. We're at a point where we just haven't collected enough data to know for sure. 
So this, right. again, is the precautionary principle. Unlike Wi-Fi last week, where there have never been a single study that indicated there was any kind of risk and there is no indication for a precautionary principle, here it might be worth it to say, you know, people should know that we've seen a few indications, but we're not sure if they're real yet. So if you want to be super safe about it, you should know that. Right, and I think this is going to end up, you know, the wireless industry isn't going to take this one lying down, right? This is going to end up kicking off a, a huge wave of research and funding for research, which in the end is going to be better for all of us anyway. Yeah, so absolutely. A little sensationalism, you know, mixed in with a little public service. It's, it's, it's delicious. Yeah, can with can you imagine the wireless industry just being like, yeah, you know, it might cause cancer. You should probably <laughs> rethink this whole... Well, did you see the, the <laughs> iPhone? They, they say you should hold it like 1.5 centimeters away from your head when you're talking right. on it. Yeah. The BlackBerry Bold is like two and a half or three centimeters. That's ridiculous. I mean, that is the most like cover your ass small print of all time. It's like no one is going to do that. To sum it up, put cell phones in the category with nickel, lead, chloroform, coffee, gasoline, pickled vegetables, and engine exhaust. Well, I love pickles, so yeah. I'm already a goner. There you go. <laughs> Steve yeah. Jobs will be on stage at the WWDC on Monday at 10 a.m. to announce OS X Lion details, more details, iOS 5, our first official announcement that that is the number for the next iOS, and something called iCloud, which they uh, released as only Apple's upcoming cloud services offering. No other details there. The, the bigger news here is Apple put a press release out saying what they're going to talk about. Which is unusual. For Apple. Yeah, Apple's really secretive. We never see what they're going to do until they go, hey, look at this. And what's what, like a week out ahead of time. Yeah. So this almost. is, do you think you, they're doing this to manage expectations? Because usually when an event happens, everyone's like, hey, Apple's going to do this, that, and the other thing. And it's made out of unicorns and it's amazing. And then they come out with something that's pretty cool, but everyone responds to it really negatively because it's just pretty cool and not made out of unicorns. Do you think they're just trying to manage expectations or <laughs> what's the deal with this? Um, you know what I think the deal is? I, I think there's two things at play here. One, they, you know, they already said, we're going to talk about the next generation of iOS and OS X. And people have Lion, right? They have the next version of OS X. I have it. Uh, so really, the iOS 5, they gave it a name, so that's new. The real thing is iCloud. They announced they're going to talk about this cloud servicing services offering. And I think there's two reasons for it. One, um, I don't think they're going to announce a new iPhone at WWDC. And, you know, usually they do. So I think there's been a lowering of hype for this event. And I, I want to say that they're saying iCloud early so people can start speculating about it, so they can start talking about what it could be and how it could work and build the hype level up for the event, which is important to them. Mm -hmm. And the second, which I think is a little bit more clever and a little bit more kind of in the gamesmanship realm, is that Eric Schmidt is speaking at the D9 conference tonight. Um, and I think they really want people to be talking about Apple at the D9 conference. I mean, what's better than Kara Swisher or Walt Mossberg asking Eric Schmidt about what he thinks Apple might do? I mean, that derails, you know, sort of the, the hype ball for Google today. So I think there's two reasons. I think that they're yeah. both kind of equally potent for Apple. I'm really excited to talk about Google Wallet. Great, Eric. What do you think of iCloud? Exactly. That's, right? that's I mean, kind of how that conversation is going to go. You think uh, Apple will do NFC and iOS 5? I mean, it's like it's right there for the taking now. It's, it, it's a way for them to be in the conversation a week before they're supposed to be. And the other thing you pointed out, uh, letting people know definitively, look, we're not going to announce a new phone, uh, is, is more important, not just because rumors are always spec happening, but Samsung's lawyers over the weekend demanded to see the iPhone 5, the iPhone 4S, and the iPad 3 as part of their patent lawsuit. 
Yeah, this is like pretty crazy. So I mean, you know, the backstory here is that Samsung has all these products that are about to hit the market, like the Infuse 4G and the Droid Charge and the, the Galaxy Tab 10.1. And Apple asked the court, well, we want early samples of this because, you know, if, the, if they're infringing as well in the way we say their other products are, we want to file for a preliminary injunction and block them from coming out. And the judge says, okay, that's fair. They've been announced. You know, Samsung isn't giving up any secrets. Every, every journalist in the world has these. So you can have early samples. And so Samsung responded by saying, well, based on internet reports, we believe Apple's working on the iPhone 5, and we'd like to see those too, you know, tit for tat. And it's kind of like, you know, it's a PR move. It's a pretty good PR move, I think. A lot of people are excited that Samsung's trying to do this, but I cannot imagine any judge is, is going to say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You can see the iPhone 5. Um, even though Apple's never talked about it, or you know, it's you know, Google gave away five thousand Galaxy tabs at, at Google, or uh, Samsung gave away five thousand Galaxy tabs at Google I/O. Apple has never even whispered the words iPhone five. I think it's a crucial difference. But, or, or, or or iPhone four S, which was also I thought funny. Right, yeah, they were they, just, Samsung's just guessing at yeah. the name too, which is like pretty funny. They're like, we believe it might have a name. We you saw know? a it's blog like, posting about and over 4S. the four T while you're at it. Yeah, it's probably in there <laughs> exactly. somewhere. Could that also be why Apple actually did a press release to say, look, we're telling you what we're going to be showing you, and none of this has to do with it's not the iPhone four S or five. We don't even have that. That's why we have a press release. You can look at our press release we issued it last week. Yeah, it's, it's all and set. so that kind of forced their hand into mentioning iCloud, but they they didn't have to say much about it. Mm -hmm. I'm a little well, disappointed, I mean, but that iCloud ends up being the name of whatever this new music well, service. Mobile is Me already be. had a little cloud on it. Well, they've got the me.com domain. It's like Mobile oh. Me makes more sense if you were going to bundle in a music service with the syncing service that Mobile Me already offers, which is obviously lacking. But with a music service, it would be something that I might want to pay for. I don't know. ICloud, they've never done so this obvious. right though. Yeah. iDrive. Dot Mac, Mobile right. Me. Yeah. This is their chance to change the name again. I guess so. And get rid of the. Remember when Mobile Me launched? It was a mess. Totally. So they can put all that behind and say this is an entirely just different thing. Just retire it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, all those other ones were, you know, it was Apple trying to make branding happen out of nothing. You know, Mobile Me is like a, a classic example. Like, me.com is not actually good branding, but Apple sort of insisted that it would be. Um, and I, you know, the cloud branding is pervasive throughout the industry. So if Apple walks in, you know, they can they can ride in the back of this branding. I mean, but hopefully they're going to do more than just a rebrand mobile me. You know, and we keep talking about this cloud music service. I honestly think that that's going to be a different thing. I don't think that will be part of iCloud. It it doesn't feel very Apple to me. I think it's they're going to be it's, it's going to be iTunes in the cloud or or something else that's wrapped into this iCloud. But it won't the actual music service. I don't think will be called iCloud. Yeah, it'll just be part of it. I think you're right. Uh, just the, the the way things are part of iTunes, but iTunes is no longer just a thing in right. and of itself anymore. Also, uh, MG Sigler over at TechCrunch reporting that uh, Twitter uh, not only is it going to start its own photo service uh, so you can post photos to Twitter, but apparently doing it in order to get ahead of iOS 5 integration. Yeah, I mean, right now, let's say I take a video with, a, with my, you know, on my iPad 2 with using the camera. Um, and once I'm done with that video, there's a handy dandy little, uh, you know, send to YouTube where I can link up to my YouTube account, kind of that. It'll be the same idea for a still photo with Twitter. I guess they're not uh, ready to get into the video business yet. But uh, it's interesting. It's interesting that um, Twitter not only wants to, 
uh, take a little bit of control back from the TwitPics and the wife frogs and everything else, but will be, um, if they can integrate with iOS 5, that's awesome for them. We'll we will be covering uh, the live announcement right here at live.twit.tv on Monday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, tune in if you want to hear our commentary and instant analysis. Of course they do. Uh, as, as we talk along with that. Asus at Computex. Uh, Computex going on in Taiwan. Asus unveiled the pad phone. A combo ah. tablet and smartphone targeting a Christmas time release. They can't confirm it'll have ice cream sandwich, but it will run Android. And Asus corporate vice president Benson Lin pointed out you can't launch a smartphone with honeycomb as the OS. So if it's going to be both, it would kind of have to be ice cream sandwich. Uh, the tablet portion acts as a display. I, actually, let's 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 uh, let's let <laughs> uh, the uh, CEO Johnny Shi. God, this is so good. Of course, on the audio, he's pointing at a tablet. Or a phone in the pad. He's like you a, call this? He's dancing at it. It's kind tablet. of David Copperfield-esque. Yeah. yeah. Who's There's calling me? Audio listeners, definitely see the video of this. Ooh. I mean, this was well registered. So he pulls the ta the phone out from behind the tablet that's been sitting on the uh, the podium, and uh, can take a call. Now, wait, the then wait. Best line. Oh, you missed oh, the best yeah, line. Oh, it's true. It's true. Hold on, Louis. Yeah. <laughs> but more important, Steve has to wait. Yeah, Steve, Steve has to wait. <laughs> Obviously, meaning Steve Ballmer. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. So, so the, here here it is. Uh, six months later from CES, and we have. Uh, progressed from a laptop dock for a phone to a tablet dock for a phone. And in this video, this is just a mock-up. Right. The, even the phone and the tablet docking station. Well, are, not in um, she. She's video had a phone that rang. Oh yeah. Yeah. That wasn't added but in. Nobody. Well, well. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> really, really, what incredible was. display that looked like a sticker. Uh, I, I can't believe people are so excited about another docking station for a phone. This isn't that crazy. I mean, we saw it with the Atrix. So you can do it with the laptop. Nothing stopping you from creating a tablet dock around that or any other. I mean, I guess Motorola would have to do it because they have a proprietary dock. But I don't see why people are so psyched about this because when you don't have that little phone in that tablet shell, it does nothing. The yeah, shell it's will really do nothing. basically just a display. Right. Yeah. So what's, it's not that big a deal. But uh, if, if you're like <laughs> me and you always carry a tablet and a phone... The idea of having a cheaper tablet that can do exactly the same thing and have exactly the same apps and all the same data and is a phone. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of appealing. I mean, most people would say that they always have their phone on them anyways. So then if you have the tablet, of course you're gonna have the other piece to it. It's your phone. That goes with you everywhere, right? And that means you have to keep that this thing charged as well as the phone. So both of those devices have to be Just charged. Just like if you had a tablet and a phone. If you were yeah. charging the, the tablet, tablet would the phone attached, would they both charge? I would hope so. I'm just saying that at least the tablet has functionality. I and actually, I do know that the uh, tablet can charge the phone for you if the, if right. the phone... Okay. And, you know, and so. in Ice Cream Sandwich, Google has said that it'll just be one app with both tablet and phone interfaces like baked into it. So it kind of makes sense. It's like you're running all your phone apps, you plug it into the, a bigger screen, and you get the same apps running bigger versions. But that's a lot of like execution that has to happen, right? It's that sounds great, but all of these app developers have to pull it off and make it make sense on that on that platform and using this stuff. And you know, nobody nobody's shown that they can actually pull this off yet. I mean, 
If you guys use the Atrix in the, in the web top dock on the laptop dock, yeah, and, like, and that's it, why it doesn't this, really work. This right? is more exciting to me than that because that is just a browser with a small screen for your for your phone apps. The promise of ice cream sandwich is what you're talking about if they can pull it off, which is a really good point. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. If you're a small business owner, consultant, freelancer, anybody who has to write an invoice uh, and doesn't want to, and that's probably everybody who has to write an invoice. You want to get paid, so you know you got to do it, uh, but it's kind of a pain to put together invoices and deal with templates and, and office programs. Don't do it anymore. Use FreshBooks. I started using this myself. And it made my life tons easier. Uh, you quickly and easily create and send professional-looking invoices from an address book. So if you if you invoice the same people over and over again, uh, it becomes super easy. But even if you have new clients, you pop in their, their details, and all you have to do is know the information. It will create a professional-looking invoice for you. Uh, it will send out emails with the PDF attached. It will send out reminder emails. It will accept the payments for you uh, with 11 different electronic payment services and if you got some old fogies out there that demand a printed out piece of paper uh, for a little extra money, you can have them print and send the invoice for you as well and still manage it the same way they would manage an electronic invoice. Uh, over 2 million users have been sending and paying invoices with FreshBooks since 2004. Try it out for free today. You can set up three clients for absolutely nothing, uh, and then it's not much more expensive to start setting up clients if you want to start using it that way. Go to FreshBooks.com, sign up for a fresh account, and when they ask you how you heard about FreshBooks, let them know you heard about it on Tech News Today, and you will be entered to win a birthday cake. They do a drawing uh, once a week. Yeah, once a week. And if your name is drawn, they will send you a cake. It does not have to be your birthday to no. win the cake. Just a just a, a a celebratory cake. Over the weekend, we got to know a new hacker group. This is not anonymous. It's a group called Lulzsec. Uh, they are unhappy with the Frontline documentary on PBS here in the U.S. about WikiLeaks. They are. Uh, particularly unhappy about the portrayal of Bradley Manning. Uh, that aired on May 24th, so Lulzsec decided to hack the PBS servers, most uh, notoriously adding a fake news story uh, to a blog belonging to the PBS NewsHour show, uh, indicating that Tupac Shakur had been found alive and well in New Zealand. Which, uh... Which is wait, 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 wait. That's not true? I gotta go. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Bummer. I'm sorry to to bring it. Things have changed for me. Yes. Well, it actually might be true, but it's it's, it's not <laughs> in, true. In because, this case, it yeah. wasn't meant to be true. Yeah, it's it true in that in that sort of point break way. It's, it's like you hope he's just out there surfing. It's poetically <laughs> true. Yes. Yeah, exactly. like Keanu Reeves is gonna find him at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on surfing, Tupac. Uh, <laughs> Uh, actually, more seriously, the, the hack also uh, tweeted links to pastebin postings of internal IP addresses, names of PBS servers, uh, top-level view of the PBS website database, 200 PBS affiliates addresses and passwords, dozens of PBS bloggers, 1,500 third-party newspaper and media reporters information. This is a pretty extensive hack. Lulzsec has already hacked Sony's Japanese website and before that Fox.com. Uh, they had stolen and posted 363 passwords, uh, the names and phone numbers and email addresses of 73,000 people. So they, they've done some serious hacks before, and they say they're going after to Sony again. And they also say that uh, they are not part of Anonymous, but who really knows who's part of an Anonymous group and who isn't? Well, you, you, you don't have a name if you're Anonymous. So. Right. No, I, even if they aren't, I believe them. They're not part of Anonymous, but they, they share a similar ethos, it seems like. Mm -hmm. uh, and wow, 
Who knew? Can that- I say something vaguely controversial here? Boy, sure. I mean, this is like such a new phenomenon that you have groups of criminals who are like, they're they're like, it's like the Wild West. Like they're famous for being bad guys. You know what I mean? And like they want fame and like social standing for basically like flagrantly disobeying like the rules of society. It's like kind of a wild idea. I mean, in some sense, like it's, it's almost like terrorism, right? It's like, should Sony be afraid constantly of everything that it does might provoke like a bunch of jerks to like come after their, the core of their business? Yeah, it, it, it is an entirely new section of the hacker ethos. There's there's hackers who do it because they just want to see how stuff works, and then there's crackers who do it because they have nefarious purposes, but then there's LulzSec and Anonymous who are doing it to make a statement or just for the lulz. Yeah, but they actually right. give interviews. Like, there's a, there's a Forbes article where I think somebody in, like, Whirlpool or something is talking about why they did this, and it's... It, it, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, my sites are going to get hacked for it. But, I mean, there are other yeah. ways to make your point known other than hacking PBS. You can set up a blog, complain all you want there, but going to PBS and, and, and PBS of all sites, I mean, they're not exactly known for super controversial stuff. So, like, going after them because because their point of view and frontline was a little off. Well, well also, it, I think, Neelai, one of the points that you were making is that what ends up happening is people who have nothing to do with Sony or Fox or PBS, their information is what gets leaked. You know, at, at Fox, for example, it was a bunch of people who had auditioned for the show X Factor. Like, they want to be, like, pop singers. And now everybody <laughs> knows their email addresses. It's like, I mean, that has nothing. Those people are really, you know, sort of innocent bystanders. And they're the ones who are... Well, have you um, heard some of them sing? Because... <laughs> they deserve <Right>. it. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's not just these corporations that are getting targeted. It's anybody who may have interacted with them in a variety of ways. It's, it's an interesting... Uh uh, route for civil disobedience to take mm-hmm. because for this, in the same way that we don't break into record stores and steal CDs but we easily pirate stuff we don't in civil disobedience we usually protest and picket we don't bust in immediately and start breaking glass and looting the store Right, but, this, the classic- and, but it's so much easier on the internet to break the glass and loot the store that doesn't mean it's in a classic no. civil disobedience case is you defy the authority and then the authority hurts you Right, and the world sees how ridiculous the authority is. Right. right, that's that's hoses and clubs and you know whatever. Like that's how that's supposed to work. Is that you you take the damage upon yourself as a to showcase how wrong the authority is, how how far overstepped their boundaries of authority the government has gone. This is not what's happening here. This is like I know that the PBS office building in New York has like a weak lock on the door. So I go in and pee all over the walls because I'm mad at them. Right, because I, I disagree with what they did and I want to punish them. Right. And it, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's an inversion. It's, it's a, I think it's a really new phenomenon. It, it's, it's something that I think about all the time because, you know, it, it's happening more and more that, okay, well, you know, we're unhappy with some media organization or some government or whatever it is. We're going to go and, you know, commit commit a crime essentially um, to show how mad we are and that's it's just a new idea because it feels like you're not doing anything you're just typing right you're you're clicking my you're clicking your mouse and and uh, dragging across your trackpad and and pressing buttons and now you've caused some big disturbance you're winning and it it feels juvenile it feels like it's not real and I I don't know that worries me 
On the other side of the, the coin, we have a hack this weekend on uh, Lockheed Martin, uh, claiming that its network came under attack May 21st, prompting RSA to issue 90,000 replacement tokens to Lockheed employees. So this is the other shoe dropping from the RSA Secure ID hack we talked about back in March. Lockheed Martin told Reuters, no customer program or employee personal data has been compromised, but several other defense contractors have reportedly experienced intrusions in the computer networks. In fact, Wired reporting right before we started the show that L3 Communications uh, had sent an email in April to their employees saying they had been actively targeted with RSA Secure ID hacks. Uh, so uh, this is the other side of the coin. This is not for the lulls. This is not to make a, a statement. The, the, these are people who are seriously trying to steal defense secrets. Yeah, this isn't some game network that went down. People are mad. Yeah, they the, get to play Portal 2. Uh, the bre they breach security systems designed to keep out intruders by creating duplicates to secure ID electronic keys from EMC Corp's RSA security division. Uh, uh, however... Both Lockheed Martin and the Department of Defense say that the impact of the attack was minimal and they did not expect any adverse effect as a result. In other words, they fought them off, uh, but they're being somewhat transparent, which is unusual for uh, these kind of businesses, in saying we did come under attack. Well, being transparent because they feel confident that everything's okay now, Yeah. right? I mean, I don't think we'd be hearing about this if it was in the middle yeah, of something that they didn't understand. But take the example from Sony, you know, the, the danger here is that this will just inspire others to come at them even harder so they can prove that they can do it. I mean, that's what I mean. It's, it, it's such a weird phenomenon. You know, a lot, you know, it, it's not bad guys, right? It's, it's 14-year-olds who can run a script or whatever. You know, it's people who aren't, don't think, consider themselves bad guys. They're just participating in something they believe in, and that's been channeled into something that's actually wrong. Well, and, and tying into what we're talking about is sort of like it's just strokes on a keyboard. It's not real. Uh, the United States and the United Kingdom militaries both this week indicated that they are going to consider cyber war equivalent to war and, and respond accordingly. So sort of stepping up that to say, oh, it's a bunch of computer hackers to saying, look, if you intrude in our systems, we're going to consider it an act of war and respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's funny that, you know, when you take it in the war context that far, I mean, that, that, I think that would sh be shocking to most people. If you said, uh, you know, if the Chinese government decides to hack into the Pentagon, the United States considers that an act of war and will respond appropriately. I think that would actually shock and, and kind of horrify, like, most people who aren't familiar with computers because they don't see how, you know, computers actually run every aspect. Uh, facet and aspect of our lives. But it's kind of like, is the flip side of that that we're going to start treating cybercrime, which I'm, I'm making scare quotes right now, we're going to start treating cybercrime as effectively and putting effectively in quotes too, effectively and aggressively as we treat regular crime. I mean, is there even a difference? Every time I hear somebody say the word cybercrime, I just think, but you just crime. mean crime. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, well, that's, that's what you that, really mean. Exactly. Because cybercrime can mean all kinds of things from, you know, downloading a few MP3s that you don't have the uh, the right to download all the way to uh, hacking the Lockheed Martin. Uh, well, I think right. it just, those are it not just denotes something, a crime that was committed digitally somehow. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, a, a section of crime. Like we stopped saying digital cameras and like we're starting to stop saying cell phones. Mm -hmm. We're going to start stop saying cybercrime. Like, right. yeah, I think that's a good point. It's just crime. Uh, finally, out of Computex today, Intel reveals Ultrabooks. You might remember these as ultra-portable laptops with CULV, but now they're Ultrabooks with 22-nanometer Ivy Bridge processors. 
Actually, the first one's going to have Sandy Bridge in it. That will be the Asus UX21. Uh, but Intel says these are going to be less than $1,000, less than 0.8 inches thick, uh, and have a couple of innovations called Smart Connect, enabling software updates to happen even while the laptop is asleep, and Rapid Start, uh, which is uh, building on that idea of during hibernation, the OS and the apps write themselves into flash memory so that when you open it up and restart, they start right away. Well, the other thing is you can take out the battery and disconnect the AC power, and it will still have that state restored within about five seconds when you put power back in there. Uh, is Intel just trying to manage the whole tablet situation right now because tablets are basically taking over a lot of netbook spaces, and this is supposed to be under $1,000 notebooks, I'm sorry, Ultrabooks. Yes, use the, <laughs> use the proper latest buzzword. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, <laughs> is this going to make well, a difference Well, according to uh, executive Sean Maloney, Ultrabooks will make up 40% of the market by the end of 2012. So watch out, tablets. Yes, but uh, if you count MacBook Airs, that might be true. Is it well, you know, the, the MacBook Air sells really well, and people really like it. Yeah. Right? I mean, and it it's fits the of, profile, you, you, right? It's an Ultrabook. Right, it's just an Ultrabook with a crappy, slower processor. Um, what's, you know, maybe this is, I, I would, you know, it's last year Intel in, in announced CULVs and I got really excited about them and AMD is doing the fusion stuff in these smaller computers. It's kind of like, this is as much computer as anybody needs. You know, you can't do everything with a tablet. Like you need a real operating system and a keyboard in your life somewhere. And if it looks like this, I'm all for it. The question is whether it's powerful enough to be your main computer, because you kind of need a main computer to have all these other devices work with. You can't just have a honeycomb tablet. It's right. not going to work for you. And you that's, all, needs that's all a question of what kind of things you're going, you're going to use your main computer for. I think these, for a lot of people, can. I don't know if it's 40% of people, though. Well, my, you know, my fiance uses a MacBook Air as her main computer. That thing is pretty underpowered. Um, I actually, a lot of uh, developers that I know, they have like servers. You know, they're always connecting to servers and working remotely. And they use MacBook Airs because they're lighter and they don't really need any local horsepower. Yeah, exactly. uh, those, are good, those are good use cases, definitely. Right. So, I mean, I, I see what Intel's argument here, but Intel makes this argument every year. You know, it's, look, we made our chips smaller. Your computer will be smaller. Yeah. They, they have yet to sort of make the, the next paradigmatic argument for, look, we finally made a tablet. Look, we finally made a phone. And they're, they're going to have to get there sometime. Maybe they can pack to the Ultrabooks with those mobile internet devices they were saying were going to be all the rage. <laughs> oh, right. Remember those? With mids. Right, with Mego on it, or Moblin back then. Oh, Moblin. God, Mego. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple other parts of this announcement, though, are interesting. Ivy Bridge will hit in the first half of 2012. Will con will support USB 3.0 and Thunderbolt both. Uh, the follow-up to Ivy Bridge will be called Haswell. And uh, Atom-based 32-nanometer Cedar Trail is going to hit before the end of the year for tablets that run Windows, Chrome, and Mego netbooks. They also did a demo of a Medfield-powered tablet running Honeycomb. Medfl Medfield is uh, supposed to hit tablets and phones in 2012. Uh, these Cedar Trail and Medfield are sort of their tablet and smartphone specific processors where they're trying to make some headway. Uh, so this is an exact duplicate of last year when they announced Moorestown would come out and yeah, be out. Right. This and never came and out. Never came out and they, you know, they, they couldn't get the power down. Uh, I think they had problems running Android. It was never really confirmed, but that's what it felt like. Um, and, they, you know, they, they couldn't compete with the ARM guys. I mean, that's the problem in mobile right now is that the ARM guys are doing really low power, really powerful processors. Uh, you know, they're, I'm going to hate to say this. There's an arms race. Right. Between, I see. If you oh. didn't, someone else was going to. So I know. Thank I feel, you for I feel, I'm sorry. Us. I mean, I I'm blushing. You can't tell because I'm brown. Um, <laughs> no, I can uh, tell it. It actually, you look nice. Well, that red clock <laughs> you have over your right shoulder. Yeah, kind of, I look like that on the inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's um, 
you know, Intel can't compete with that yet. They're not there. They're, they haven't hit the bottom end of that performance curve with Android, and I, they need to be at the top end. And it's going to take them another year. It kind of makes sense. But they've promised devices from some fairly no-name manufacturers, but hopefully they're going to get start, start to get some wins. I think one of the more interesting things that Intel has said lately is we picked the wrong partner in Nokia because, you know, they had that big Mego partnership with Nokia, and Nokia just walked out on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, like, really telling. You know, it's, Intel is like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Like, we don't actually have a manufacturer on board with us right now. Intel's like, we tried to tell Microsoft, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a uh, dive on into the news feuds. Tablet manufacturers might want to think twice before picking Microsoft's upcoming tablet OS uh, that is supposed to be announced later this week. Speaking of Computex, Acer CEO JT Wang said of Microsoft, quote, they're really controlling the whole thing, the whole process. Now, Wang didn't get into any specifics, but it looks like he was talking about restrictions on processors. Microsoft has exerted this kind of control before on Windows Phone 7 devices, but not with tablets yet. And we're not sure why Acer is chafing so much at it. Well, you know, this is this is it. I mean, this is they're walking away from Intel, right? They're going to ARM. So yeah. if Windows 8 on tablet only runs on ARM, then, you know, Acer's walking away from a huge relationship with Intel. They're walking from a lot of know-how of how to run Windows on Intel. They're having to relearn a lot of stuff. I mean, these are big shifts now in the industry. What happens next with Windows is going to impact what happens to Intel a lot. If you find yourself saying on a regular basis, I don't want to add this person as my friend on a social network, now you have an excuse. You can blame your brain. According to research by Robin Dunbar, the maximum amount of regular contacts that a human brain can handle is 150. Even though social networks obviously led us to connect to many more than 150 as a maximum, a study of Twitter reinforces Dunbar's conclusion. You can manage contact with somewhere between about 100 and 200 before you become overwhelmed. So all those people who are following 3,000 folks on Twitter, you're not paying attention. We know it. I'd Stop love to lying. meet you, but it might make me forget my grandma. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's so one in, one out. Yeah, is that exactly. your policy? I've got 150 mm my max. <laughs> All Things D has confirmed that Twitter will announce a photo sharing service this week at the D9 conference, citing sources familiar with the matter. Twitter's photo sharing service will compete with the sites like uh, TwitPic and YFrog. Will those services fall out of favor with Twitter users once there's an official Twitter service? Eh, we'll see. The Wall Street Journal reports that Iran is going to build its own national internet. You heard me right, their own internet, in an effort to have full control over what its online citizens see. At first, Iran's network will coexist with the regular internet before supplanting it for the public within two years. To stay competitive in the global economy, large companies, banks, and the government will still have access to the normal internet. But, you know, regular people, they just need the local internet. Did you order, pre-order Duke Nukem Forever at any time in the last 14 years? GameStop says it will honor even those pre-orders taken long ago, provided that you've kept your receipt. GameStop uh, owns lots of stores like EB Games, Babbage's, and Funko Land, so start digging in your filing cabinets and shoeboxes for that receipt that you hopefully saved because it... Hoarders act- rejoice! It actually means something. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Hoarders. 
Not just for crazies anymore, for people who actually want Duke Nukem <laughs> for Forever. for gamers now. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever will be released in the next few weeks. Wink, wink, wink. I'm winking. I mean, it might be. I just, I don't it know. I can't, I can't talk about this So if you haven't seen it, hang on to it still. I'll be That's playing it by the end of this week. Reuters, Reuters is reporting that Yahoo and Alibaba are very close to reaching a deal over its dispute over Alipay. The agreement was made before Yahoo's analyst meeting last Wednesday. The only thing holding up the deal from being official is getting consent from SoftBank Corp founder Masayoshi Sun an Alibaba board member. United States Federal CIO Vivek Kundra said that federal workers will be able to choose from more mobile devices than just a BlackBerry. Here's the deal. Government workers will be able to use iOS or Android devices so long as they allow themselves to be subject to strict security settings. Kundra calls it, quote, the rise of consumer technology in the enterprise. The enterprise being the U.S. government, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's on the trend. He's just two years... Late. Yes. It's cool. Better late than never. <laughs> and we will also have printers. <laughs> Comcast will provide internet access to over 300,000 Chicago students for only $9.95 a month with no installation fees. If a student qualifies for free school lunches, their family can get this deal from Comcast. The move is a partnership with the city of Chicago called Internet Essentials, aimed at getting internet access to children. I have Sometimes. to say... Good move, Comcast. That's a rarely said I don't statement. say that very often. Yeah. I'm usually cursing them loudly. Comcast to torture less fortunate children is kind of a sad <laughs> And finally, Nokia has announced their less than impressive forecast for the coming fiscal year, expecting to, expecting to around break even. The company has also begun shuttering online stores in response to growing competition from resellers that offer lower prices on Nokia's own products. They can't... Wow, that's sad. So far, online stores in France and Spain have been replaced with a closure notice. Time now for the randomizer. We got a random story today. RFID tags already used to trace everything in the world will soon be edible. That's the idea behind NutraSmart, a food tracking system that evolves around edible RFID tags developed by Hans Harms, a design engineering student at the Royal College of Art in London. Uh, most of the demo shows food being placed on a smart plate and then a laptop showing you like, the calories in the food and nutritional information. And he, he talks about, you know, your refrigerator being able to order stuff when you're low, all those things we've been hearing about for years. Uh, but you would, in fact, actually eat the RFID chips. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Does that mean that you could, like, pay people by running up to them with an XSS and, like, scanning their bellies? <laughs> like, I, I know would... what you did. <laughs> <laughs> you ate my cupcake. What'd you have? For... Yes. <laughs> you can finally catch that lunch thief. <laughs> it was Tom. It's in, I have the proof right here on my Android phone. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, it's it, this. It's it's hard uh, for me not to feel like this is a silly idea. You know, it sounds silly, but I think I think that if this actually works, it could be quite amazing in the amount of data it would allow. Dr. Mom's saying in the chat room, you know, if people are freaked out about cell phone radiation now, <laughs> and you're eating RFIDs left and right, maybe there's going to be a backlash. Uh, do point. RFIDs break down uh, mid-system, or well, that, will they that, then end know. up in yeah. um, sewer systems? That's a good question. These should probably be the breakdown. Uh, we need more research. They would, these should yeah. break down in the gut. Otherwise, it would give new meaning to the phrase, track that <laughs> Nice. <laughs> On to nice. the calendar. How do I find nice. it? Nice. 
Over the weekend, Linus Torvalds updated the Linux kernel to version 3.0.0-RC1 with code optimized for Intel's Ivy and Sandy Bridge processors, graphics cards, even the Microsoft Connect. This is an RC, so probably some two weeks before it's ready for prime time, but still good news for Linux folks, which um, excludes IaaS. Yeah, that's right, because I hate all yeah, things. Yeah, you're, you're a big Linux hater. <laughs> that's right. Computex kicks off in Taiwan today, and... We've already had our feeds littered with all kinds of new tablet announcements. Runs through Saturday, it's more June tablet 4th. goodness coming. Lots of goodness and some badness, too. Today, Microsoft and T-Mobile will shut down the danger servers for good, leaving existing handsets without the push email and cloud services. Sorry, danger. Sorry, danger. MySpace <laughs> is still for sale in You're case out, you danger. just stopped paying attention. Uh, yeah, they still want like 100 million, News Corp does anyway. Um, and actually, today's the deadline. If you want to start bidding, uh, you have until uh, end of day today. You want to revise your bids. Yeah, so far they haven't gotten anybody to offer what they want for it. So who knows? Maybe tomorrow they'll say, okay, okay, 75. 75 million. $75. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting <laughs> That's right as far now. as we're going. Apple has updated iWork uh, to add iPhone and iPod Touch support. Previously, it was just iPad, so that's good for iOS folks. May 31st is the last day, that's today, isn't it? Is the last day for petitions to deny the merger of AT&T and T-Mobile. Not surprisingly, Sprint has submitted their petition to the FCC. Shocker. Yeah, they're a pretty outspoken critic of the of the proposed yeah, Spr union. Sprint's real mad. They're not happy. Yeah. At the same time, the FCC has posted 50 questions that AT&T must answer before the merger can be evaluated. What is and the airspeed of an like, unladen swallow? Have you seen pyramid. these questions? It's like 78 pages of single-spaced, like, really intense technical questions. Like, what is the spectrum allocation that you AT&T plans to have? In, it's like, not a friendly groups? list of questions at all. No. It's like, it, I mean, and they delivered it over the holiday weekend, and it's due on, like, June 10th. So it's like a real, like, happy America. Like, America has something to say to you, AT&T. <laughs> well, I'm sure AT&T can, can answer the questions. They've got somebody... To do that. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll pay their lawyers handsomely enough to answer the exactly. questions. Exactly. Today is the day that Friendster is wiping out photos, blogs, comments, and groups, but will keep all of your accounts alive, along with your friends list, game details, and profile info. So basically, anything that they can sell. Wait. I'll so this is like the day that Friendster, MySpace, and Sidekick are all over. Like yeah, you, we're just the end of we're just era. done with the '90s. Like it's, it's over with. <laughs> we got. I guess it's so 2011 right now. Yeah. It's never <laughs> felt like it's more 2011 than that at this moment. So we moment. should buy all three of them together as a group and like they should make package them. them together. Let's call them the kin together. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Oh, it's real sad. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but All Things Digital's D9 conference opens up today, this evening at 6.15 p.m. Is that Pacific? Yep. I think so. You can watch Eric Schmidt's talk live on the internet if you can't be there in person. Reed Hastings of Netflix and Jack Ma of Alibaba are among the speakers on tomorrow's D9 schedule. You can also uh, stream those, uh, those interviews live. AT&T... Who says they're not updating Android phones oh, anyway? Why? Just today, Sony Ericsson is launching the Android 2.1 Eclair upgrade Ooh, to Xperia upgrade. X10 devices running on the AT&T network Wait, in the that, U.S. Is that upgrading from Donut? Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's a delicious upgrade, indeed. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, the PlayStation Network was restored, although... A lot of PlayStation users noticed that a lot of the functionality, like buying games, still isn't fixed. Sony now says that full functionality will be returned to PSN at some point this week. So maybe like Friday night. Users will be able to access the welcome back packages from Sony at that point, which include two free games and other freebies like virtual items and extended subscriptions for, uh, for PlayStation users. Goes for everybody but Japan, Korea, and Hong Kong. Right. Who 
won't get it by the end of this week, but we'll get it soon. Soon. They promise. Sooner than later, for sure. On now to the email. Email is TNT at twit.tv like Jason did. Not Jason Hell. Different Jason. <laughs> Jason said, hey, you guys, I realize I'm likely in the minority here. I mostly listen to vinyl LPs, so he's very retro and hipster. But I'd like to voice some support for upload required locker music cloud services. I have a lot of tracks and albums that represent alternate takes and demo versions, live versions, some with different mix or mastered by a different engineer that I don't want reduced to some official version of that track by my music cloud. I like the idea of music matching and not having to upload 100 gigs of music, but that's less desirable to me than having the multiple and preferred versions of songs that I've accumulated over the years. My experience with Lala makes me suspicious of such services, never mind the likelihood that a lot of tracks from lesser-known artists wouldn't be recognized at all. If iCloud does only music matching or makes managing such differences difficult, then I will continue the long, slow upload to Google and Amazon. I guess we'll find out next Monday, yeah. but hopefully it's, it's sort of a, if we recognize it, We'll do it for fast for you, mm -hmm. but you have the option to upload it anyway in your preferred formats. Yeah, it's interesting. Folks like Jason, who who definitely have not only do they have a robust collection, but maybe some a little bit more obscure recordings of songs. Well, if you're a Beatles fan, you probably have like the anthologies or bootlegs or something that mm -hmm. is not official out there. You don't want really like you don't want to replace a live performance at Shea Stadium with the album track, which is good, but it's not the same. Exactly. Or a friend's band. I mean, yeah, right. this, is, this exactly. is just unreleased music. Yeah, just you might have music that you made that you want to have on the cloud as well. Exactly. So the matching, it would just be I interesting mean, how, how much <laughs> that could be unhelpful to people who have a more well, eclectic collection. I think Apple's going to do both. Honestly, I, I, hope so. I think yeah. that they know this. The I think that they know that, that there's value in just the streaming and there's value in your local collection. And, you know, they've, they've been having their users build local collections for a long time. Well, they're the well, makers so I, of GarageBand. How could they not do that? Yeah, right. Right. So, I mean, I, I think they know that there's, there's great value in both sort of your local collection and the cloud. And, you know, that's the hole in every service. Like, I, you know, I use RDO, and the hole in it is that people send me MP3s, and I have nowhere to put them because now I have to use two apps. And yeah. I don't think Apple's going to build a solution that's inelegant in, well, that, in that specific way because it's so obviously the, the right thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, they bought Lala, and Lala allowed you to do that. So, right, exactly. All right, that's it for this edition of Tech News today. Neil Patel, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Let us know what's going on at uh, This Is My Next these days. Soon, soon. You know, uh, you know it's our temporary site. In, in September ish, we'll, have a, we'll, we'll be launching. We'll have a big party. You guys can all come down to New York. We'll, uh, oh, we'll, sweet. We'll oh, you'll be awesome. Fly us out. Wow, you're going to pick up our flights and everything. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, first class all the way. Thank <laughs> you, Neil. Wow, I that's amazing. Really looking forward to Great that. Deal. This yeah. is my next favorite party. <laughs> That joke is never going to get old, no. let me tell you. No, well, it'll get old after September, if it yeah. hasn't already. Uh, also, don't forget, folks, we're still uh, selling bricks. If you'd like to have your name in the entryway to the new Twit studio, go to bricks.twit.tv. You can buy a brick, put your message on it, and have it live forever, or at least as long as the bricks In infamy. All right, that's it for this edition of Tech News Today. You can find us on the web, twit.tv slash TNT. You can email us, TNT at twit.tv, or give us a call. Our number is 260-TNT-SHOW. Leave us a nice little voicemail, and we might even play it on the show. Talk to you tomorrow. RFID check. Mm. <laughs> Made them so sweet. You know? RFID pie. Really taste the RFID. <laughs> Boysenberry RFID. I wonder if they'll sell a, a bag of RFID chips.
Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I know.